Welcome to this Ashall Media Podcast, supporting a growing community of financial advisors. Hello and welcome to the Rockhold Podcast channel. A few short months ago, a very large percentage of the global bond market offered us negative yields. Today, well, that's changed really very dramatically indeed. And US 10-year treasuries are yielding today around about 2.5%. Uh, quite some change. The cause? Well, it's inflation. I guess we knew that. However, inflation in the US today is around about 8%, and in the UK it's trending upwards to 10%. So what does this mean for interest rates in US and UK and indeed elsewhere? What does this mean for equities? What does this mean for alpha, beta portfolios and any changes we might be looking to make? Hang around just a few minutes and we'll run through some key questions for key members of the Alpha Beta Investment Committee, um, John Reynolds, our global strategist, and of course, our old friend, Asim Javid, the Senior Investment Manager. So without any further ado, let's get going. So welcome, Asim. Welcome, John. Good morning. Morning, Andrew. Morning, both. Guys, it's been a really difficult year for equity investors and indeed for bond investors too. What do we think about the bond market? What do we consider for bond yields? Have we seen bond yields reaching their zenith or is there more to come? John, what do you think? Yeah, so it's, uh, it certainly has been a very difficult year, hasn't it, for bond investors uh, in particular. Um, but obviously the drag from the weakness in bonds has affected equities, as is suggested in the opening there. Um, Last month, I think we were, you know, we touched on this, didn't we, when we're talking about how high US bond yields could go at, you know, benchmark bond yields. We were talking about, I think at the time, bond yields were flirting with the 3% level. And of course, um, over the course of the month, this past month, as recession fears have started to rise, there's been a bit of nibbling um, at, uh, there was a bit of nibbling for a while in, in bonds and people positioning towards a longer end, starting to position towards the longer end of the bonds, which provided a bit of support. But as we sit here today, um, you know, bond yields are back above uh, the 3% level at, uh, on 10-year and UK guilt, uh, yields 10-year are back at 2.26. So it's been a pretty short-lived uh, rally in the bond market, although, as I say, there has been a bit of nibbling over the past month. Um, as we said last month, the, big, the biggest problem we've got is that you know short-term rates are, are pretty much set to be rising towards that three percent level in the US over the course of the next twelve to eighteen months, um, and of course that we are expecting the US economy to slow down. And there's no doubt there is a better value now in US bonds at ten year at at three percent than there certainly was at the beginning of the year. I mean. Let's face it, US bond yields have risen 146 basis points over the course of one year, which is quite a staggering rise. Um, so I think I think people are starting to see some value at the long end, although, you know, quite frankly, um, given where inflation currently is, um, we're still looking at deeply negative real yields. Uh, we're still obviously forecasting or expecting inflation to come down. Long-term inflation expectations are still anchored somewhere around about the two and a half, three percent range, which uh, you know, which is quite interesting because it suggests at least there's some potential sort of um, value emerging at the longer end of three percent. But as I said last month, I think um, it, with QT coming, uh, you know, in spades over the course of the second half of this year, there's going to be uh, an issuance starting to pick up again. Um, 
it's going to be, I, I don't think we've necessarily seen the highs in volumes. Um, it's, it, while there's some value there, I still think that uh, it's quite likely we could see 3.5%, perhaps even higher on long yields before we're through this year. The key, the key determinant as to whether or not you know, people pile into the longer end of the curve more aggressively is going to be really whether or not uh, recessionary pressures continue to build. And we can come back to that in a little while. Yeah, thanks, John. As in bond yields are uh, seldom so exciting. Well, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Okay. So you're right. Okay, so yields are a function of uh, inflation plus uh, your, your real rates, right? So the real rates are still, if you look at the 10-year yield, and John alluded to earlier, 3.04% at this point, and you've got a 10-year break-even inflation rate around 276 so you you have a slightly there's a slight um, touch on the, on the real rates now uh, in, in the on the positive side but if you look at the break even inflation side of things it's still under three so the market still is in that mindset that um, you know the 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 reaction the Fed reaction to inflation is is linear at this point um, if it crosses around three three and a half percent then that that that, that reaction from Fed side of things is going to be non-linear, which obviously will have an impact on the bond side. Now, that all comes down to one common denominator, which is inflation. And if you look at the inflation side, um, last uh, month, we saw a little bit um, relief from 85 to 8.3%. Um, but what is a bit worrying is the, is the month-on-month uh, expectation from the Fed side is that the month-on-month month increase should come down to 0.15% for them to hit, that 4% target. Uh, and I think that's a bit unrealistic. Right now we are sitting at 1.07% uh, month on month. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and the funny part is that it's it's a lot to do with the stickier component of the inflation side. So if you translate all of that into bond yields, so there, there is, as John said, that there is a bit more to go on, on the bond yield side. Technically speaking, you are at a, what we're seeing on, uh, in, on the 10 year yield, it's, 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 it's at a resistance level. Once it once it breaks from here, there is a lot more upside to it. But on the on the flip side of the of the same comment, uh, if you think about the recession side or the probability of recession uh, moving upwards, uh, there's a lot more demand which we could expect to come down, and that will have an impact on on the longer end of the yield curve, not on the shorter end. Okay. So yeah, so that's that's all in all, um, uh, ten year plus yields. Okay. All right, Atim, let, let's just think then about currency. You know, the strength of the greenback, the um, US dollar has been particularly helpful to our portfolios year to date. Um, yeah, what, what's our thoughts there? Are we at peak dollar yet or is there more to come? Uh, Asim, do you want to take this one first? So dollar index, I mean, when dollar index was around 88, 89, we expected it to bounce from there and, and it has done so. The issue with the dollar index is that if you think about the the risks that have uh, propelled this this rise uh, in in in, uh, in the dollar index, these are geopolitical risks and also the financial risks, and both of them have not uh, gone away. You still have the geopolitical risks there, and if anything, you have got more and more risks on the recessionary side. And in recession, there's always a flight to quality and flight to dollar. And the idea is that yes, you have a little bit of a pullback now. Uh, but if the recession is on the horizon, and we, we know with, with, with the things which we are looking into, uh, there's more and more probability of it. And the geopolitical risk hasn't actually resolved itself. So there is more demand to come through for dollar. And the, the idea is that the dollar index should, in, in our understanding, the target is around 110. Uh, right now, it's sitting at 100, 101, 102. Okay. 
John, what, what do you think? Well, yeah, I'd just like to add a little bit there. Um, obviously, the currencies are a relative price. So, um, and if we look at, um, take, say, the yen, um, the dollar is at a 20-year high against the yen. Um, the yen is, is just trading around about 132, just over 132 against the dollar at the moment. And, and that's a function of relative interest rate differentials because, you know, in Japan, the Japanese are holding interest rates at virtually zero in an attempt to, 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 to reboot the economy um, and actually try and generate a bit of inflation. And 10-year yields in, in Japan are at 025 whereas they're at 3% in, 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 in the US. So at the moment, portfolio flows are all going towards US treasuries and out uh, and, and forcing the yen down, which obviously will make the Japanese uh, exports, um, you know, more, more competitive. Um, it will, of course, raise domestic inflation in Japan, but that's obviously what the authorities are looking for there. So on that metric, uh, important trade metric, I don't see any um, probability at the moment of the dollar being under pressure against the yen. <laughs> it's going the other way. Uh, against sterling, um, obviously, we've got our own domestic problems here with our cost of living crisis building. Um, Inflation is a problem everywhere, of course, uh, but it's a particularly acute problem in the UK, um, given what we're seeing with the um, energy price rises that are going to come through and leave the uh, sort of RPI and CPI elevated over the course of the next six to nine months. And obviously what we talked about previously in previous uh, episodes about, you know, the concerns we have about, you know, the wage bargaining process and moving in potentially into a summer of uh, discontent here. So at the moment, um, I can't see anything which is going to, certainly relative to sterling either, which is going to make a big difference. And in, 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 in Europe, um, obviously, ECB have been dragging their heels. They've been sort of steadfastly holding to try, you know, to try and, you know, uh, to sort of hang on to QE. Um, they are, over the course of this, I think the next few weeks, going to sort of make a bit of a reversal in policy and you might start, you will probably start to see the first few rises in short-term rates coming through uh, from the ECB um, uh, in order to, um, you know, address the clear underlying inflation problems that are rampant across uh, Europe. But I can't, I don't see that really driving, you know, none of that, no, no, no there are, there's nobody anywhere that's really moving as aggressively in the United States on short-term rates. So I think, you know, what Asim's saying is our expectation is the dollar will remain well bid, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, while we're still going through this, you know, this, this re reassessment where short-term interest rates have to go and the impact it has across the entire yield curve. And, you know, given the slowdown that's going to perpetuate for, for the economies and the geopolitical risk, I think, you know, the dollar is likely to remain relatively well bid, at least for the next six months. Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? Okay, so let's just quickly turn to interest rates then and, and focus on US in particular. You know, I've seen forecasts of upwards of, I don't know, I think it was Goldman who said 10 uh, US rate rises. Uh, you know, are, are they kidding? Um, you know, the economy is naturally slowing. We've got QT coming in during the second part of the year. Um, what's our prognosis then for US rates and indeed UK and Europe if we want to go that far? John, what, what do you think? Well, I think if we start, you know, we obviously entered the year with the US on a really firm clipping, didn't we? It was uh, going gangbusters. And, you know, unemployment is now at record lows. 
the economy is actually still pretty robust, although, um, you know, the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee's forecast back in March, had cut the US GDP this year to 2.8, they cut it next year to 2.2, and 2.2% for 2024. But I think over the course of the last month or so, um, you know, certainly recession risks have risen. Um, I think a month ago, we, we mentioned that there's probably about a 30% probability uh, amongst consensus uh, economic forecasts for US recession over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. And I think that's probably gone up to 40% plus over the course of the past month, uh, for precisely the reasons you, you mentioned, because invariably, you know, quite clearly, um, the US authorities have been behind the curve when it comes to getting, you know, uh, the inflation forecasts. You know, I think we were pretty much the first to say inflation would be higher for longer than the market expected, everyone expected, and it certainly played that way out. And I think in Janet Yellen now has sort of admitted that they were wrong um, and they should have moved faster. So I think, you know, there's, it's, undoubtedly we are going to see quite a few rate rises coming through. And as, as, as you suggest... And there's talk by the end of next year of you know rates getting up to that three just under that three percent mark you know another eight nine ten ten moves and we're certainly going to see another two half point moves over the course of the next couple of months um, and we may see you know, more more coming through so I think the bottom line is that um, it's it's a difficult path to tread obviously um, you know. The, the lesson of history is trying to call the economy when it's, you know, once once inflation has taken hold and, and actually glide it back down gently has proven very, very difficult in the past. Um, and obviously those at the World Economic Forum, many people felt that uh, ultimately, you know, we're going to see... Uh, we're, get, we're going to see a bit of a crunch coming because um, the only way to really get on top of all of this is going to be the aggressive move in rates and slow the economy down. So, uh, you know, our, 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 view is, it, our view is quite clear. US rates will be going up. Um, they probably they have to keep going up over the course of the next you know, four or five months to at least get on top of uh, the situation. I do expect, however... That, um, that the QT uh, and the restriction that that will place on banks' balance sheets um, will add to a further contraction in the US economy in the second half of the year. And, and Asim and I have been quite clear that we expect the US economy actually to be sort of moving towards a recessionary scenario towards the end tail end of this year. So the upshot of all this may, may well be that, um, you know, to answer your question at the beginning, will rates go as high potentially as the, as the market currently thinks? I think there's a chance that they don't, primarily because, you know, aggressive moves in the, over the course of the next, uh, next uh, few months, three or four months, um, combined with QT, will actually squeeze the economy pretty hard. And um, we may well be starting to stare, you know, stare, stare, stare into recession. And the authorities may just have to sort of hold fire a little bit on rates and perhaps revert potentially even to a little bit of QE further down the line. Yeah. So we shall see. Yeah. yeah. All right, John, thanks. Asim, what are your thoughts? Um, US rates in particular, or maybe pick up UK and Europe too, if you want to. So, uh, I think it's it's all interlinked, right? So the what happens in the US side, uh, pretty much, um, and, and, and the UK especially, um, and, and then the ECB side of things. The issue is currently um, the, the Fed terminal rates, as per the market, is somewhere around 3 percent. So 
right now we are not there. Um, and as John said, that we are still thinking and we, what we're looking at is that quite a few comments from the Fed uh, speakers have come out there and said that um, they're thinking about a, a soft landing. Um, so there is a, a thought there that yes, we are heading into a slowdown. Yes, we are heading into a recession probably, but how best to achieve that uh, without actually breaking the economy. Um, now, would we see further rate hikes? The market is definitely expecting more to come, uh, in, in especially in the next FOMC, which is in June this month, um, and probably over the next one or two more. And that will have an impact on what happens in the UK and what happens in, in, in the ECB or uh, in Europe side uh, as well. Now, from what we are looking at from the market side or implied rates, what we're looking at is the further uh, increases, um, which again will, will impact mostly the short end of the yield curve, which is probably from zero to what, around four, five, five years or seven years. Um, and as we move forward, as we progress into the year uh, and more and more uh, data comes through for this possible recession and a slowdown, we are then thinking about, okay, what happens to this monetary policy? Now, if I were Fed, I would be thinking about building a cushion there. And that cushion, which currently they are currently building um, is, once we, end, uh, once we enter into a recession or a slowdown, we use this positive uh, uh, rates to then start doing a QE or start doing a monetary policy easing side of things. It makes that job easier. Uh, so I think, as John said, we definitely expect a bit more to come. Okay. So um, several times we've mentioned the R word, um, a swear word, recession. Um, are, are we really factoring in the recession, Asim? We have been looking at this since uh, Q4 last year. Um, and the, the problem with all of this is that we have had a very um, an expansionary, extraordinary expansion from what, 2022, sorry, 2020 onwards uh, from uh, COVID. Um, and and the, the credit uh, um, creation uh, aspect of this in, into the economy has put the, obviously the economy and the production a bit um, uh, uh, further behind the production side, but the, the, the actual economy has grown. So what we are looking at is a slowdown in economy, and there are a few factors. You've got supply chain issues, you've got a full employment, participation rate has gone down to 62%, which is pre-pandemic um, was around probably on 62 to 63%. Um, and you've got uh, markets are already pointing towards a certain type of slowdown or a recession. So yes, so there, there is, a, uh, I think, we are in a better position now to say, yes, there is a definite slowdown and the Fed has already been pointing towards it um, and possibly a recession. And the, as John mentioned earlier, that it's now probably around 40 to 45% uh, probability in the market that there is a recession coming in Q4 this year or Q1 next year. Um, the chances, and especially, and John will, will probably uh, opine on this, is the stickier component of the inflation side. If, if that becomes a problem, then we are looking into a slowdown with an increasing uh, or, or a tighter monetary policy, which automatically will lead to a certain stagflation or recession, definitely a recession. Okay, now uh, John, recession, yes or no? Yeah, I, I think, I, think I would say there's almost, I would say there's likely to be a recession in the course of the next 18 months. And um, I'd be surprised if we, if, if we manage to avoid it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, maybe I'm just, uh, uh, been, been on this planet too long but uh, you know as I say it's very very difficult to glide glide the economy down um, once inflation gets ingrained and what I'm seeing isn't that encouraging from that perspective um, as as he was 
noting we've been you know, the, key, the clear concerns have always been the you know tightness of the labour market and wage pressures, uh, and certainly domestically here in the UK, um, we enter into a summer of you know mild discontent. That's for sure. We know the um, the rail strikes are coming along. Um, I think it's going to you know day by day we see pe- more people clambering for our wage increases. Um, we also know that uh, it's desperately difficult to actually find anybody to employ. Um, um, yeah, and and I think even previous recording, we we're discussing you know the, the the problem that poses for for companies potentially taking on employees that aren't perhaps fully trained up to do the job. So you know there are lots of issues that link to all of this. Um, and um, you know, I, I, I would I would say that um, the chances have probably got a, of a recession in the next twelve to eighteen months have gone over fifty percent for sure. Yeah, no, it certainly feels like it, doesn't it? Okay, so inflation, I think, in the minds, indeed, the eyes of the public, is probably even more important than parties uh, in number ten. Um, what what our thoughts on the pathway for inflation, short term and then longer term? John, do you want to go first on that? Yeah, well, I think let's start domestically because, you know, it's obviously we're all living through it here in the UK. Um, and obviously we've got, this, the, you know, the CPI here at all items at 9%, the RPI over 11%. Um, and this, we know that the October price energy increases are coming through on phase two. So we won't see much of a reduction in headline rates uh, at all in, uh, for, for a good few months. And it'll be into the latter part of the you know fourth quarter before we see inflation declining here, um, and of course that has a, the knock-on effects into wage the wage bargaining process. So that makes this summer pretty difficult. So I think here in the UK it is a difficult time, uh, and it's why sterling's come under more pressure, uh, as we said earlier in the in, in in the podcast versus the dollar, because of the, you know the clear issues that we have here with that headline rate. Now next year. Uh, a lot of the year-on-year effects will start falling out and we should start to see a decline. But, of course, the key is going to be how much wage inflation has got embedded in into core rates of inflation. Um, so I would expect only a relatively slow decline here in the UK. In the United States, um, I think, you know, obviously from the, the Fed's perspective, um, we, may, we, we always said that the second quarter would see the peak in US inflation rates on the year-on-year rates. Uh, obviously, they ended up being a little bit more elevated because of the Ukraine war uh, than we expected perhaps at the beginning of the year. But Q2 was always going to be the, 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 you know, the period of which US inflation started to show some peaking out. And as Asim was suggesting earlier, um, we saw a mild reduction from March to April, from 8.5 to 8.3 in the CPI. Um, we get the numbers on Friday, this Friday um, for May, and they could well um, also just show another mild reduction on the year-on-year rate, uh, perhaps to 8.2 or 8.1. So I think we are starting to see the, the, the signs of a peak there. Obviously, the core the core problems are food prices have been running at about just under sub ten percent, just over nine percent, nine ten percent. Energy has been a very very strong component of the U.S. Um, inflation picture. Plus thirty percent was the number in April. Shelter costs are running at about five percent. So I think it's clear that U.S. inflation will come down as we go through the course of this year. Um, but will it get much below four percent by the end of the year? I doubt it. It's going to be somewhere around about 4%. And getting to that 2% longer term number, it's going to take a couple of years to get there. 
Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that 2% number look, looks uh, ambitious. Asim, what do you think? Uh, I think all the points that uh, John mentioned, the energy and the, because one of the things which we, we should keep in mind is that this um, inflationary pressures, in, in especially in the US and Europe, and, uh, and especially Europe, is to do with the energy in the food basket and, and the energy in the food security side of things. Um, and it's exogenous. It's to do with what's happening in, in Russia and Ukraine that's exporting all of that inflation. And also to do with the supply chains issue. So if um, I've, I've read some news on China thinking about uh, removing those constraints on, on the supply chain side of things and COVID-related. COVID so hopefully that should help. Then base, in, base uh, case... Um, uh, year on year effect should also help a, a little bit. Um, but as John mentioned, that 4%, getting to that 4% target or, or is, is a bit ambitious because right now you're running at around 0.9-ish percent month on month uh, inflation increase. And for that to achieve uh, or, or for Fed to achieve 4%, it, it needs to go down to 0.15% over the next eight, eight months. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a bit uh, over ambitious at this point. Uh, given that what's happening in the airline ticket side or the services component, especially of, of, of the month-on-month -month increases. So um, something which John and I mentioned, I think, last year was that the shelter or, or the rent side of things was not picking up at that point. That's a bit more sticky component, and we're seeing a bit more increase now month-on-month -on, -month on the rental side or on the shelter side of things. Uh, so, yeah, so all of this then feeds into what happens on the yield side. Um, and then the yields would would then feed into what happens on the discounting and the valuations and the equity side of things. So the common denominator in all of this in the equity and bond scenario currently, which we are running through, is, is, is the inflation. Yeah. OK, now I get it. So um, bringing all of this together um, into the Alpha Beta portfolio. So what changes have we made? What changes are you considering, uh, Asim? Right. Okay. So the, the common denominator, inflation. Inflation affects yields. So how do we affect the yield side and the duration side? How, how are we uh, uh, positioned on the infant, uh, sorry, in interest rate risk? So what we have done in, in the recent past is we have started moving a little bit of our exposure of, of, of from the short and medium term or short and medium duration towards the longer end of the uh, yield curve, so i.e. higher duration. And the reason for that is to take... Uh, uh, you know, uh, once we move into the recession side, that the longer end of the yield curve should start uh, gliding down a little bit, and that will help us with the with the total return side. We've also what we've done is to lower the duration from again from the small, uh, short, and medium side of things into the cash side. So that's a zero duration uh, asset. Um, so that's the impact which we've already done. What we will now do is going moving forward as we progress through the year, we will start doing uh, moving more and more of the duration aspect, or more or more and more of the duration percentage into the longer end and also into the zero side. Um, and also on the equity side, what we uh, intend to do, we intend to reduce our uh, equity exposure uh, as we move into a little bit of strength from here onwards. Um, we've always had this view that as we progress through this year, Q2, Q3, Q4, we, as we are moving nearer and nearer to, to recession, equities will probably not be in a good place uh, to be in. Uh, but right now, we've got a, 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 an equity exposure, which, which is, I think, is neutral. But as we move forward into the year, we'll start removing some of that equity exposure. And for that, we need a bit of, a bit of strength. OK. All right. Thanks. Uh, John, final remarks from yourself? No, I think you know, it's obviously it's been a tough year, um, and um, you know it's not going to get it's not going to 
be uh, we, we've got to be nimble I think over the course of the next uh, month or two uh, to take advantage uh, as Asim says of any relative strength that comes through um, does look as though uh, at the moment that the market is attempting to um, push a little bit ahead obviously we had a very difficult period uh, digesting all of this bad news and prospective bad news with the slight with the slowing economy coming through um, and the market has adjusted accordingly obviously um, you know um, if you look at the valuation of US equities now and uh, you know they've come down obviously considerably from where they were um, they were trading at sort of you know, historic sort of highs for a sustained period of time, but now they're sort of back towards the sort of 10-year average of um, multiple average. Still not cheap uh, if we move into recession, which is where the risks lie. Um, and, you know, if we do go into a recession, there's nothing stopping the USP dropping from, you know, coming around 17 times to forward something like about 16, even 15, 14. So um, that's where the risks lie uh, moving forward. But clearly, um, this interplay between will we, won't we get a recession, I think, allows the market to, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a bounce, but I think before we get the reality. So I think, you know, we don't want to be too cute, but uh, uh, and, and any short term strength we will take advantage of just to reposition. OK, super. Thank you. And indeed, on behalf of all the investors, thanks, guys, very much. Performance remains very good despite difficult markets and a tough uh, first six months. So thank you. Also, guys, thank you very much for your time and your comments. Um, insightful, valuable as ever. Thanks very much and speak soon. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Andrew.